This is week two of a series we've been teaching on called A New Way for a New Day. And how many of you know that there is a new day that's coming upon us and it's evident? And, um, and I believe just like the disciples, you know, when Jesus was on the earth, things were one way. Now that he's in heaven, they're a different way. You with me? That's important to know because, you know, sometimes people get mad at like ministers or different people and say, how come you don't give me all your time? How come you don't talk to me? You know, Jesus, when he was on the earth, did not give his time to everybody. He called 12 to be with him. And then many times he would pass on to the individuals that were around him, the multitude, things through the twelve. Read the Bible there. That's why he said it's to your advantage that I leave. Why? Now we can all have a personal relationship with him. Now, back then it wasn't the same as it is now. But he showed us how we could live back then. In other words, within the group of that community or those believers, there should have been interaction. They could have interacted with his disciples because you can see that and get answers that way. But Jesus obviously, as a man, couldn't interact with every individual. But he can now interact with every individual. You with me? And so he was getting ready to leave John 13. Uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Just we're going to review this verse. It says this, John 13, 1, concerning a new way for a new day. There was a new day coming. What did this new day look like? Well, here in verse 1 it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from the world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Notice, he knew that his hour was come. He knew that he was departing. He knew there was going to be a change. He knew it wasn't going to be the same way. He was going to be gone. And so what did we do? We talked about the very first thing after he said that. It's interesting because, as you guys know, if you were here last week, we said this. The 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th chapter have many phrases like this. And these chapters were transition chapters for a new way of living for believers then and us now. He taught us actually in these chapters how we're supposed to live in his absence. How we're to function. So we're going to keep going through this and look at the things that he said. And last week we touched on something that he said, if you're going to basically uh, be one of my disciples, you're going to have to be one who serves all instead of exalting yourself. You're going to need to serve, right? He said, you don't know what I'm doing now, but look, I'm serving you. And if you want to be great, you have to serve. You can't promote yourself. And obviously we said this, they had a real opportunity to exalt themselves. How many people, when they get a new job and they're put as the boss, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, what happened to them? They're now freaky. No, they were before. It was just suppressed. Now they got the position and they're acting like somebody crazy. You know what I'm talking about? And so he said, listen, 
I'm going to depart. Now they're going to elevate. And in the earth, they're going to be the heads and the pillars of the church. And so he said, if you're going to be this, you, you got to serve. If you're going to function properly there, you have to have this attitude. Then we notice he said, you know, that everybody has to submit to him if they want to be clean. Right? If not, you can go back and listen. But we're going to move forward today, and we're going to look at verse 32. And we're going to notice here that he starts off talking the same way about his departure. Actually, we'll start in verse 31. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified. In other words, he's going to be crucified. And God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. He's basically saying, my time of departure has happened. I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to be raised. I'm going to be glorified. Verse 33, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. It was just days until this change was coming. Just days. And so these things he's teaching, he's laying them down just days before. I mean, we always talk about, you know, what the most important things that Jesus said, you know, uh, were right before he left. But really, it wasn't just like the great commission and the great commandment of going and preaching, making disciples. This context is where it all started. And so when he's talking here, he said, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. In other words, uh, a new day is coming. The day of me being with you personally is about to end. And a whole new dynamic is going to be coming because I'll be in heaven and you'll be here, which is completely different than before. So they're facing a new day like we are. And so we said this, a new day many times demands new ways of thought, new ways of action, new attitudes. And no wonder he said, you got to become a servant and not try to exalt yourself. wonder if he knew that was already in them. And he was trying to get it out because remember before, there was some secretive stuff going on. Anybody remember? Talk to mom, then talk to Jesus and get her to talk and said, hey, put my son at the right hand and the other one at the left hand of his disciples. They were already trying to exalt themselves. They were already trying to get to the top. And he said, it can't be that way. And so I wonder if that's one of the reasons why he recognized some of this stuff's in him. And we got to get this out because when this new day hits, they got to be ready. And they got to be thinking properly, especially if they start traveling down this road and start thinking, well, I'm the boss here with Jesus. You know, Jesus loved me the most. No, remember, I'm the one. Yeah, but he's the one who called me out of the boat. Yeah, but he called me up onto the mountain with you. So, you, you know, but he ended all that before he ever left. And then he said, this is how you have to act till I come again. This is for everybody. You don't work to exalt yourself. When you see that in people, you know there is a fault internally. You know what a fault is? 
I'm from Southern California. When you learn about faults, you don't think they've got faults. You think San Andreas' fault. You think, you know, this fault and that. You say, what fault? What's that? These big fissures in the ground where the land is like, there are breaks in the ground that can make things just go crazy. That's what creates earthquakes. And so he knew there were internal faults that needed to get fixed, so there wasn't some upheavals once he was gone. And so he's trying to set the order of how people need to be. And here he is again using the same kind of stuff. I'm no longer going to be with you. You will seek me. And as I have said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, you can't go there. We'll go wherever it is. I, I mean, I don't know if you're going down to Syria, but we'll go over there. No, you can't go where I'm going. As a matter of fact, he didn't want them going there at that time. I just want to go to heaven. God maybe doesn't want you to go there right now. Yeah, but it'd be so much easier there than here. Exactly. But he still may not want you to go. Now, he'll be glad when you show up, but he may not want you to go now. Because if you go now and you shouldn't go now, then you miss out on work that needs to be done. Now who's going to do it? What if all the 12 said, we're out of here? <laughs> then all this training went to waste. How's God been training you? I don't know, but it just it seems like discipline, correction, do this, walk this way, keep this attitude. Maybe it's because he's trying to get you ready for something bigger than you've been in before. And bigger than you know. And so he says, uh, so now I say to you, because I'm not going to be here, here's what I want here. That's what he's saying. I'm not going to be here, but you know what I want here? Now this is not a suggestion. He said, now I'm going to be gone, but um, this is what needs to stay. This is what needs to be here in my place. Isn't it true if you have kids and you leave them at home? You don't just, the first time you leave, you're like, see ya. As a good parent, that's what you do. See ya. No, you're like, you can't go in the freezer and you can't eat all the ice cream. And you can't do this. Right? You can't go in the pool when mommy and daddy are gone. You're only 12, 13, 14. You, right? You can go ride your bike, but you can't go six blocks over. What are you doing? You're leaving something of importance. You can't go get on the motor scooter and go blasting around the neighborhood. Right? You leave those instructions because you're going to be gone for a while. What do you expect? Oh, them to bust into the freezer, get the ice cream, get on the motor scooter, go six blocks over. No, you don't do. You don't expect any of that. What you expect is for people to follow your instructions, right? So he said, "I'm not going to be here anymore." Um, but it's not like I'm going to the grocery store. It'll be till the end of the age. So. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. If he would have stopped right there, we might get in trouble. Because we'd all come to our own conclusions of what this love is and 
what it looks like, right? Well, he didn't treat me right. She didn't treat me right. She said this about me. All those things happened to Jesus, and it didn't change this love in him. And he said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Let's just stop there for a second. How many people have problems with other people because of how they're loving them? You don't do this. You don't do that. You don't do this. You don't do that. You don't do this. You don't do that. And you know, that's exactly what Jesus said. Focus on that. But you know, that's what most people focus on. He doesn't. She doesn't. They don't. They don't. But he said, don't look at them for what they're doing or not doing. Look at me for what I did and do it. A new commandment I give you that you love one another as others are treating you. Right? That's what he said. And if they're good to you, be good to them. If they're bad to you, be bad to them. That's how it goes down. No, he said, look at me. I lived this. Yikes. How often do people hear that? You know, when they're talking, well, he doesn't do that. Wrong example. Well, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. Did everybody treat Jesus just great when he was on the earth? Like when they were being great when they tried to throw him off the cliff or stone him to death, called him a drunk, called him a wine-bibber, right? All his disciples forsook him. So then he didn't talk to him for a week after. No, I'm not talking to you. I'm not even talking to you. I, I've just had enough. Aren't you glad he gave us a good example and maybe wasn't the example sometimes we portray? So don't focus on me. Don't focus on other. Focus on him. And so notice he said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Or in other words, like I loved you, you love others like this. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, Jesus said there's no greater love in John 15, 13 than this, that one would lay down his life for his friends. And you think about this. Jesus exemplified this love. If he lived a life, I mean, he did live a life of obedience, but if he would have been selfish uh, in his life and his lifestyle, he would have not been sinless and uh, wouldn't have been spotless then what would have happened? He couldn't have fulfilled the plan of God without living this kind of love. So in transitioning from this old day of being with him, he's knowing that they're about to get new life in him. They're about to be made clean, and they're about to get a new nature, and they're going to have the love of God, and this is going to be the mark of them being a disciple. Notice he didn't say it's the mark of being saved. You can be saved without this. Notice he said, this will tell everybody in the world that you are my disciple. What is a disciple? It's a 
disciplined one. In other words, it's not me disciplining you. I'm just going to make this person do this. Now, we can train our kids and teach our kids, but when it comes to ourselves, we have our own responsibility to be self-disciplined. He said, by this, all will know that you are my self-disciplined ones, or you've chosen to discipline yourself in line with what I've told you to do. So in other words, if I don't do this, the world will not know I belong to the Lord. But notice, it doesn't mean I don't know it. It just means they don't know it. Now, I could tell them I belong to the Lord, but the fact of the matter is they won't see it unless I'm self-disciplined. And he said, everybody will know, and that means then he'll have to get involved and deal with them I remember on a construction site, this happened numerous times, but I remember this one guy, one day I was late, the, the, this lunch truck came, we did big commercial jobs, and uh, so this guy came up to me, and I was kind of late leaving, I was finishing something up, he said, I want to talk to you, and I, I said, all right, he said, you're a Christian, aren't you, he didn't work for us or anything, he was at someone else, and I said, yeah, I'm a Christian, I said, why, why do you ask, he said, I, I've been watching you. I thought, you probably should be working. <laughs> but he said, I've been watching you. I still remember the job site. He said, I've been watching you. You can tell every now and then when there's a Christian on a job site. And there's hundreds of guys on these big commercial sites. And he's all, I knew it. I just knew it. I knew you were a Christian. I just figured I was going to ask you. And he walked away. I didn't even preach to him. I didn't tell him. It wasn't like I had a big Jesus shirt on and he's like, I think he's a Christian over there. I didn't have a Christian radio on. Matter of fact, I didn't allow our guys, because I was the boss, to listen to any radio. They go, well, how come I can't listen to sec this kind of music? I said, because I don't. Well, that's all right. I said, well, I'm the boss, so let's turn it to my station. No, it's cool. We just won't have any radio. All right, sounds good to me then. I'm glad we agree. I mean, I don't want to listen to your stuff. If you don't want to listen to mine, I think I'm being pretty fair. Because I'm the boss, I could say we're playing this. If you don't like what's playing in certain stores, they own it. They get to. Amen. But here are some interesting thoughts about this. Jesus said, men will know you are my disciples if my disciplined ones, if you act in this love. So we know this, to walk in this love, it probably isn't just going to automatically happen. Though you have a new nature, you're going to have to be self-disciplined. You're going to have to discipline yourself to do this. But notice what it does not say. It doesn't say this. It doesn't say that the world will know how to get saved because you love. Notice it doesn't say that. It doesn't say because you walk in love, the world will know how to be saved. And there's a popular saying that says, 
just live it in front of them, and if you have to, preach the word. No, you're required on both sides. That's just a fancy saying. But notice he didn't say the world will know how to get saved because you walk in love. They'll just know you are disciplined in your following of the Lord. But it doesn't say it will tell them the way of salvation. It will just know, they'll just know they're disciplined in their walk with the Lord and everybody will know it. Or they'll look and go, they're not disciplined in their walk with the Lord and they may not even belong to Him. But it never said they would know how to get saved. I'm sorry, some of are looking, looking at me a little bit like, uh, what did he just say? Let's read that again. A new commandment I give you, verse 34, that you love one another as I have loved you. He said that you also love one another. By this, all will know how to get saved. No, that you are my disciples. In other words, you're not just people who believe in me. You are actually disciplining yourself. And that will tell them something. But does it tell them how to get saved? No. Go into all the world and live in love. That's what he said, right? No. He said go into all the world and preach the gospel. Tell people how to get saved. Invite people. Bring them in so they can know. But love is something they can look at and go, oh, they're disciplined in their walk. And Jesus said, listen, I'm leaving, and this is what I'm leaving for you to do. You wonder what God's will is for our lives as believers? This is one of them. So to live this life, you have to live self-discipline. Here are three things you need to do. You need to feed on Bible truths concerning love. What do I mean by that? You need to search the scriptures and see how Jesus acted, what was taught about it in the New Testament particularly. Why is this important? Because we want the people to know without us even saying something, I belong to the Lord. Give me a door. Now I can tell you. You with me? Whether I have that door or not, I can tell and invite people, but it does something. And obviously, the Lord has to be involved because he said, I'll make sure they know if you do this. And then it goes on, or further here, number two, learn to think those love thoughts. If you're going to study and, and become, because think about it, to be disciplined to do it, you have to be disciplined to know it and grow in it, right? And so I got to then find out what this love looks like. And then I have to learn to think those love thoughts. Isn't it easy to just not always think love thoughts? Nobody has to say amen. Nobody wants to admit that. No, non-love thoughts come to everybody. Well, there's just something wrong with you. No, you live in a world that doesn't think this way, but we serve a God who thinks this way and is this way. So we have to be disciplined on the thoughts we choose. The next thing, number three, is we need to act on those love actions. 
which we read about, which we're now thinking about. And no wonder he said, you're my disciples, if you do this, or self-disciplined ones. Because it, it would take discipline to purposefully, periodically read stuff about love in the New Testament. It, it would take discipline you know, and I know there's a lot of people, they're dieters and exercisers and all this stuff, and they have a life of discipline. You know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to learn this, I'm going to do, and they just have disciplines in all different areas. And Jesus said, this is an area that it will show, not by the scriptures you quote, but this will show the world, you belong to me, and not that you belong to me. You have disciplined, you are a disciplined follower of me. And he left this for us. Whoa. No wonder he said, you'll be my disciples. That's a load. Let's look at another verse here in First Peter. If I start walking in this love, in other words, I start reading Bible truths... And I don't just forget the Bible truths that I've been reading. I think about them. And then I start acting on them. They are going to alter my life. They are going to alter my appearance in front of people. They're going to alter my actions toward people. And, and I will say this. This walking in love and walking in a mature God kind of love does not happen overnight. I mean, if I'm overweight, 40 pounds, I can't go, all right, that's it. I'm getting disciplined. I'm losing this weight. And I do it this week, and I'm like, great, I lost a half a pound in a week. Forget it. I'm eating a bowl of ice cream. I'm eating a can of this and a bag of these. And all of a sudden, I'm up a pound. All I had to do was stick with that long enough, and in a year... I would have been there. Somebody said a year. Well, think about this. Jesus said this for the, the rest of your life. And so in a year, I may get to my goal, but then I'm going to get even more fit past that and stronger. And so we can't look at it as, wow, I failed this love thing and I'm just not doing it. It just doesn't work for me. That would be like saying a diet doesn't work for you. Oh, it will. And you say, no, it doesn't. Well, self-control will work for you. How's that? And so we need to understand that when we do this, the changes may not be super dramatic overnight. But as we travel down this path of thinking right after we read start changing our thoughts, and then start trying to act this way. And, and you, you may fail the first time, second time, third time, but you'll start gaining ground. You'll start getting stronger. When you get stronger, you'll start controlling things. Your mind will change. It will become a natural course of your life. You with me? And when you do, it will change your actions, and it will change your words. 1 Peter 3, and we're going to look at two verses here, but it's not only going to change that. Obviously, it'll change how people see you, but it's actually going to change your life. 
some people don't know why some things are the way they are in their lives. And if they would do this, it would change their days from bad days to good days. How many would like to have some better days? Nobody. Well, how many would like worse days? People are like, no, no. Then, then let's look at this, okay? He's teaching from the eighth verse about love. Uh, really, he's talking about love in relationships before. But now, verse 8, he's talking about love and what love is like and what love should do. And then it says, verse 10, For he who would love life. You want to love life more? How many times people say, if you want to love life, man, you got to go for the gusto and live wild. And uh, he said, uh, he who would love life and see good days. We know the difference between good days and bad days, don't we? How are your days? Not a bad day and a good day. Because bad days and good days come to everybody, so to speak. But he's talking about a life of good days and a life that's loving and your love in life. He who would love life and see good days, not a good day, meaning this, a stretch of good days. In that stretch of good days, a bad day may approach. You know what I'm saying? But you're seeing good days. He who would love life and see good days, and it's in the context of love. Let him, so that sounds like self-discipline, let him refrain or hold back his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Now, this is in the context of love. And then it goes on to say, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So he said, if you walk in this love, it's going to eventually need to work its way into your mouth and into your actions. And how are you going to get it there? You're going to have to think deeply on it. He said, meditate in my words day and night so that you might observe to do it. Understand this, the world is acting crazy right now. And without some change, they're going to act more crazy. But you know what they're doing? Meditating day and night on things. You know, there's, you can go on TV and they do all these murder things. You know, like there's 24-hour channels. You can watch all these people murder people and rape people and mug people and you know, steal from people, then kill them, and then they solve real mysteries all the time. I'm just saying that maybe isn't something we should watch 24 hours a day. If I'm struggling with anger, bitterness, mad at my neighbor, and then the perfect crime, how to get away with it, and you're watching this day after day, you are making a vital mistake. You're not disciplined. You're not thinking on things like the Bible said that are good and pure and just and lovely. Love thoughts like the Bible suggests. Well, it doesn't suggest he tells us do it. We're over here entertaining this and going, 
I'll tell you what, Larry's dog is dead. You are thinking wrong. You wonder why people act this stuff out. I mean, haven't you thought, man, I'm not going to eat that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to eat that anymore. And then all you do is think about chocolate and ice cream and donuts. And you tell everybody, that's my favorite. Oh, that's my favorite. You know how that flavor gets in your mouth and just spreads out? And it just grabs onto all the pores and taste buds on your tongue. And every one is a sweet sensation. And it makes your hair just want to stand up. And you're like, woo, chocolate. And then you go up in front and you're like, uh, and then you go, and they put the chocolate right there when you're leaving the grocery store. The big chocolate's in the back for the people who are unashamed. But the little chocolates are all right there, you know. And, and then you've been like, I ain't. And then you're like, oh, I'm not going to touch that. And your arm just reaches out and grabs two of them and goes, oh, special, three for this. Okay. And you're eating it before you get to the car. And you're like, I wonder what my problem was. I said with my mouth I won't eat it. Yeah, but you thought on it for 45 minutes. You with me? Oh, I ain't going to do that, but I'm going to watch them cook it online for the next two hours. Oh, that's going to work wonders for you. That's just going to put you right over the top, and me right over the top, too, if I think about it. Here's what I need to do. I have to be self-disciplined. Then it will govern. My tongue will start being influenced. My actions will be influenced. And then I'll be living in the new way for the new day. And I'm telling you, we're coming into a new day and these things are just important for us today as they were back then. 